grab your Bibles, if you would, with me and open to two places, James chapter 5, I'm going to look at just verse 17 and 18, and then 1 Kings 17, James 5, 17 and 18, and then 1 Kings 17, we'll give you a minute to get over to Kings if you haven't gone to Kings in a while, because it is one of those tricky places in your Bible uh, to turn to. In my one Bible I have, um, 1 Kings 17, in the year of January 2009, from January, February, and March, just those sections of Scripture spoke so much to me and my family, because that's what God used when we knew we were supposed to move back from Charlotte, North Carolina to California. And it was this very verses that we read today. So our topic we've been talking about this year is the word focus. So look at your neighbor and tell him, focus, right? Focus. Sometimes you ever wake up, you ever wake up in the morning and you, yeah, you got to rub your eyes a little bit to kind of get, you know, focused. Maybe it's after your first cup of coffee, you get focused. Maybe it's after your first Pepsi that you get focused. Well, we're not talking about something that kind of just picks us up for a little bit. We're talking about God's word keeping us focused this year. And so we're going back and we're looking at the Old Testament people of faith, how God directed them. But we always look to Jesus, Hebrews 12, 2. But this summer we're going through the prophets, summer with the prophets. And two weeks ago we did uh, Samuel. Last week we took a break and we looked at the ju- one of the judges who was Samson. He wasn't a prophet of God, but the prophet that we're going to look at today is Elijah. And James writes this about Elijah. I want to read it out of the New King James, and then I want to read it out of the, the, uh, it's the Passion Translation. New King James says this, Elijah was, was a man with a nature like ours. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three years and six months, and he prayed again, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth produced its fruit. Let me read this out of the passage translation, and it says, Elijah was a man with human frailties. Now tell your neighbor, he's not talking about, no, (laughs) talking about all of us, right? Is there anybody here that doesn't have a frail T? No hands go right up. Elijah was a man with human frailties just like all of us. But he prayed and received supernatural answers. He actually shut the heavens over the land so there would be no rain three and a half years. And he prayed again, and the skies opened over the land so that the rain came again and produced the harvest. Interesting that James doesn't go on and talk about the dry brook, the woman at Zarephath, the prophets of Baal, doesn't talk about him getting caught up in the chariot of fire as a whirlwind, doesn't talk about throwing his mantle on Elisha, doesn't list any of that. It first lists that he was a person that had human frailties and then it goes on and it only mentions the only act 
that he did was that he shut heaven um, for rain coming on the land. Now that's a rough prayer to pray, wouldn't it? That you, your prayer would be, it's not going to rain in, until you say? Boy, you would get blamed for a lot of things, wouldn't you? Wouldn't it be great, though, to be that you were the one that prayed in the fall that we got all the rain? Right? Do you know there was a lady at the Hills Church, and she prayed, and she prayed that it would rain for three months, and it almost rained every day, and everything was so green and snow-covered the mountains? Wouldn't that be amazing? Well, this one is something that we'll read in just a bit, was one of the first things that Elijah did, is his prayer was powerful enough to change climate. But he was a man just like us. He had frailties just like us. But he prayed and received supernatural answers. Oh, let me mention about Elijah. Elijah was probably um, where he was raised would probably be like somebody out in the backwoods, right? I love the one verse, I believe it's in 2 Kings, where it says they describe Elijah, and it says, oh yeah, you're, you'll know who Elijah is. He's the hairy guy, like he's the really hairy, hairy guy, and he also wears a leather belt around his waist. Well, if you read New Testament, there was another guy, I don't know if he's super hairy, he wore camel skin and a belt, and that was John the Baptist. So I don't know if you've ever done this before. You ever gone to the beach and there's some guy that takes his shirt off and he's as hairy as a bear and you think his wife at night, it's like sleeping with a 200 pound, you know, dog. Yeah, hairy, hairy, hairy. Yeah, Elijah, he's the hairy guy. He's got the big leather belt. That's how they describe him. He's a backwoods kind of guy. But he's just like you and I. But God raises him up. Well, I want to, just for a minute, I want to look at chapter 16 of 1 Kings, and I want to read just for a minute and look at the 19th king of Israel. First king was Saul. Second king of Israel was David. Uh, this is the 19th king, and it says this in 1 Kings chapter 16, uh, and um, let me pick this up at verse 29, and it says this. In the 38th year of Asa, king of Judah, Ahab, the son of Omri, became king over Israel, and Ahab, the son of Omri, reigned over Israel. Who's the king of? Israel, right? These are God's people, the Israelites. He reigned over Israel in Samaria 22 years. Now Ahab, the son of Omri, did evil in the sight of the Lord, more than all that went before him. And I think, wait, are we reading that wrong? He did great in the sight of the Lord, greater than all before him. No, 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 he did evil in the sight of the Lord. We read that a lot with the different kings, but here's what we read. More than all that went before him. And it came to pass as though it had been a trivial thing to him to walk in the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Nabat, that he took a wife, Jezebel, the daughter of Ethbaal, king of the Sidians, and he went and served Baal and worshipped him. Wait, this is the king of Israel. These are God's people. These are the ones that he's raised up, people and prophets and kings, got them across the land of Egypt. God's tender people, and it, the Bible lets us know 
he chooses Jezebel as a wife. He not only worships Baal, but he uh, serves him as well. And then he sets up an altar for Baal in the temple of Baal, which he had been in Samaria. And Ahab made a wooden image. Ahab did more to provoke the Lord God of Israel to anger than all the kings of Israel who were before him. This is a dirty guy. This is an evil guy. This is a guy that did more evil than anybody else. And this is a guy that's worshiping Baal and now building a wooden image to worship Baal. You know, the world, it's very interesting when we look at the world at this time, because the world seems to get darker and darker. But here's the one thing that's so true. The world does become a dark place to the degree that the people turn from God. When we start seeing people turn from God, the turn gets worse and worse and worse. And here's what God could have done. God could have used uh, the enemies that surrounded Israel. He could have raised them up like the Philistines. And they could have gone and attacked and fought uh, Ahab and those Israel, uh, Israelites at the time that were worshiping other gods, but he didn't do that. He could have done like in Egypt. He could have used the plagues. He could have used the weather. He could have flooded them with frogs and flies and blood and all of those things that he did before, but he didn't do that. What is God going to do in this day to make a change in that nation? He's going to choose a backwoods guy that's hairy and wears a big leather belt. That's God's plan. He always raises up men and women of God that have a heart for him and will speak on his behalf. So think about this. After a hundred plus years of the reign of even David, the hearts of the kings have changed. And yet God's going to raise up Elijah. Now Jezebel, we won't have time to get to her. Jezebel in 1 Kings 18 verse 4 says, she found out where some of the prophets of God were. She went and massacred them. So the prophets of God, several of them now, the Bible lets us know, about a hundred or so are hidden in a cave. And you have Elijah out on the land. And Elijah, when we read, in fact, we're going to pick this up in chapter 17. Elijah is going to proclaim a drought, but then things are going to start to roll in his life. And we're going to pick this up in chapter 17, verse 1. It says, And Elijah the Tishabite of the inhabitants of Gilead said to Ahab, as the Lord God of Israel lives before whom I stand, there shall not be dew nor rain these years except at my word. Then the word of the Lord came to him saying, in fact, I'd encourage you in your Bibles or if you're taking notes or on a phone or a tablet that when we start reading today, everything that says and the word of the Lord came to him because Elijah will act as God gives him that word of the Lord. It's a direction to him. So it says in verse 2, And the word of the Lord came to him, saying, Get away from here and turn eastward and hide by the brook Cherith, which flows into the Jordan, and it will be that you shall drink from the brook. And I have commanded the ravens to feed you there. So he went and did according to the word of the Lord. For he went and stayed by the brook Cherith, which flows into the Jordan. The ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning, 
and bread and meat in the evening, and he drank from the brook. Verse 7, and it happened after a while that the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land. And then verse 8 says this, then the word of the Lord came to him, saying, I refer back to chapter 17 so many times, especially as I'm praying or whether it's things that we're trusting God for, projects that you're doing. And sometimes I just wonder if that analogy is true in our life, that the brook has dried up. Now, if you look up or do a little Bible uh, study, a brook was probably wide enough that you could step across it. So don't get a picture of this, you know, the Mississippi River coming down. It's a brook. So what God's command to him is, is I want to hide you. You got Jezebel killing the prophets. I want to take you. I want to hide you. But I'm going to provide for you. In fact, the ravens are going to bring you meat and bread in the morning and evening. Now get a picture of that. Have you ever been to the beach? And some guy just sat down, he's got his big sandwich out, and he goes to eat it, the seagull comes down and grabs the sandwich, and off it goes. You ever seen that before? And every seagull chases that one seagull because they want his foot-long sub sandwich, right? They want that. I get kind of get a picture of Elijah because they're finding meat somewhere, uh, but bread, right? So I, somebody's got some rock heated up, and they're making a loaf, and whoop, swoops in the raven, and off it goes. You know, uh, this is what somebody probably got the idea of Uber Eats off of, right? They were probably praying, and the Lord said, you know what? I bet you that people will pay for a driver to pull through McDonald's and to pick up your food and bring it to your house. So this is kind of the original Uber Eats. But God is taking care of him. He's hidden him. He's given him something to eat. He's given him something to drink. He's taken care of. We don't know how long that he's there. We don't get a picture. But evidently it's a period of time because the brook eventually dries up. Now we would have thought that we would have read that uh, God sends Elijah and he has an axe. He chops down the wooden bale. That he goes in. You know, we would think that we'd read those things. But God pulls him out for a bit. But here's what we read in James. He's a man of prayer. He's probably not counting rocks. He's not picking up sticks. He's taking time to pray to God. We don't have a picture. We don't know what scripture he would have. We know that in Deuteronomy, it was said that the kings were supposed to hand write out all of the scripture and keep it with them. We don't know what he has, but here's what we know. We know that he's a man of prayer that he's probably using that time, though he's hidden and wondering what God has next, he's taking every advantage of praying. You know, and announcing no rain would be like this today. If somebody was to pray an economic shutdown on us, that everything stopped, you go to the bank, you couldn't get cash out, your credit cards were declined, you go home, your power's out, your gas is out, right? Your car doesn't start. Imagine, imagine how much people would freak out. This is an agricultural-driven society. They depend on rain. Uh, but yet, for a period of time, Elijah is pulled out so that God can begin to do, obviously, some type of work in him so that when he hears the command of God, he's ready to move. 
God is providing for Elijah, but what God's going to do, he's going to close a door or take an opportunity, and he's going to open another door. But here's a tendency that we have to do sometimes. How many of you, and you don't need to raise your hand, even if the brook dried up, you'd stay right at the brook, right? Think about it. The brook, if it was wide enough to step out, all of a sudden it starts getting a little smaller one day, next day a little bit smaller, a little bit of a trickle, it's a puddle, a smaller puddle, dirty, you know, wet, dirty sand, and then it completely dries up. How many people would just stay planted because it doesn't say he turned off the ravens? It says the brook dried up. Too many times things dry up and people stay camped out. They're not listening to what God has to say because as we read on in the story in verse 8, then the word of the Lord came to him again saying, Elijah knew to turn in, tune in to the voice of God, to listen to what God said, regardless of what was going on on the outside. God is the one taking care of him. If he could take care of me and hide me out, he can take care of me wherever we go. I was reading a, a, a story, not a true story, but I was reading a story, probably a great example. And it was a family, there was a duplex. They had two families on either side. One family was Christian, the other family was atheist. The atheist family could always hear the Christian family praying and worshiping, and they were so loud, and it bugged them so much, they would turn up their loud music so they could drown out. But one day, uh, the atheist family heard the woman next door praying, and she was praying that God would provide food for them. They were out of food. And she named off specifically what they would need. Well, the atheist thought this. I'm going to go out, and I'm going to buy the food, and I'm going to put it at their door, and I'm going to show them that there's no God. So the atheist did that. Went out to the grocery store bought food for them, and made sure to get the very specific things that they had heard this lady pray for. And then he put it on the doorstep, and he rang the doorbell, and he went and hid behind a bush. And the lady came out, and she threw her hands up, and she worshiped God. Oh, thank you, God, that you answered my prayers. And out of the bush, the atheist jumped, and he says, Ha! It wasn't God that provided. I provided. I bought it, and I have the receipt. The lady paused for a minute and she raised her hand and she thanked God again. Thank you, God, that you even used the devil to provide for my food. <laughs> it's not how it got to Elijah. It was God providing for Elijah. And even if the brook dries up, God has a plan. Right? It's not time to camp out at the dry. We're not to rename it Dry Gulch. <laughs> We're to find out what does God have to say. So now Elijah, though he might be isolated and tucked away, God has something else for him. And let's pick this back up in uh, verse 8. Then the word of the Lord came to him saying, Arise and go to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon, and dwell there. See, I have commanded a widow there to provide for you. So he arose and went to Zarephath, and when he came to the gate of the city, indeed, a widow was there gathering sticks. And, she call, and he called to her and said, Please bring me a little water in a cup that I may drink. And as she was going to get it, he called to her and said, Please bring me a morsel of bread in your hand. 
Then she said, as the Lord your God lives, I do not have bread. Only a handful of flour in a bin and a little oil in a jar. And see, I am gathering a couple of sticks that I may go in and prepare it for myself and my son that we may eat it and die. And Elijah said to her, do not fear. Go and do as you've said, but make a small cake for me first. And bring it to me, and afterwards make some for yourself and for your son. For thus says the Lord God of Israel, The bin of flour shall not be used up, nor shall the jar of oil run dry, until the day the Lord sends rain on the earth. And so she went away and did according to the word of Elijah. But where did Elijah get his word? Elijah got his word from God. And she and he and her household ate for many days. The bin of flour was not used up, nor did the jar of oil run dry, according to the word of the Lord, which he spoke by Elijah. Notice the end of verse 16. According to the word of the Lord, which he spoke by Elijah. I get a picture when Elijah's camped out at the brook, and he, as we read in James he was a man just like us, but he prayed. That he was a person of prayer, that he was having to tune his hearing to listen to what God said. Because as the brook dried up, God was just going to begin something else. And remember what the command from the Lord was. Go to Zarephath. I have provided for you through a widow. So here's what I would have pictured. If I'm Elijah and I'm going into Zarephath, I'm going to look for the house that has the banner on it that said, Elijah, come here. <laughs> right? I'm going to look for the banner. I'm going to look for the open sign. I'm going to look for some signal that I'm going to look for a crowd, maybe the family that's waiting. That, oh, yeah, there, there's the guy, or the hairy guy with the big belt. That's him right there. He's the one, because God already told us. We don't see that at all. Fact, when Elijah talks to her and wants a little bit of water, she's going to do that. And then when she begins to tell him and he says, make me something to eat. And she says, we hardly have anything. In fact, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to make what I have for me and my son. And then we're going to die. What would you come back and say to them? I got to go find something to take care of these guys. I'm going to go to the other town. I'm going to find something to make sure they don't die. No, you know what he says? All right, well, make one for me first. <laughs> right? Wow. She doesn't seem to know, even though God said, I have prepared a way for you. But her response is what opens up a miracle on her behalf because she does what Elijah says. Not because Elijah decided it was a good idea. It was the word of the Lord through him. And she made this cake and the promise was your oil bin and your flour bin will overflow as long as there is drought until it rains again. Man, that's a great promise. You know, when we go through this and we look at how God leads Elijah, God is always taking care of him. God is providing for him, and God is not using the means that we would normally think to use. That's because God's ways are higher than our ways, and his thoughts 
are, hard, are higher than our thoughts. We've got to follow what he says. But here's what God wants us to do. It's the word of the Lord coming. And then the next step is being obedient to what he says to do. After that, he comes through with the very miracle that's needed. And in Elijah's case, it was sustaining him with food and water. And in Elijah's case, it's sustaining him with food and water, but we won't have time today to look on, but it becomes a miracle action on behalf of this lady because her son's about to die. So here's what's great with God. God chooses the wrong widow who has nothing to work through for his prophet. It wouldn't be the one that we choose, but it's who God chose. You know, David said this in Psalm 37, 25. He says, I have been young and I am now old, yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging for bread. We don't see where Elijah calls, hey, God, I got a great idea. Ravens with meat and bread. I'm going to hang out here at the brook. No, it was God's idea. Hey, God, I got another one. I'm going to go to this town. Find me somebody that has nothing. And I'm going to go and make them give me something. That's not what he's saying. He's following God's direction. You know what we do too many times? If I went, if I felt like God said something, and I'll use Willie, and I went to Willie, Willie said no, I would think, all right, I got to move on to somebody else. I don't know if I'd have the boldness to say, okay, go, go make it for me first. But that's how God leads Elijah. Elijah is listening to the word of the Lord, and he's also being obedient. He's also being obedient. James chapter 5, verse 17 and 18. Let me read it again out of the Passion Translation. Elijah was a man with human frailties, just like all of us. But he prayed and received supernatural answers. He actually shut the heavens over the land so there would be no rain for three and a half years. Then he prayed again and the skies opened up over the land so that the rain came and produced a harvest. But he prayed and received supernatural answers. Let me challenge you, church, today to be a people that pray. You know, many times it's so easy to get caught up and we listen to music and even some of the good music and we can do that for hours or we can sit down and we watch a show and they call it binge watching, right? Because you don't just watch one, two or three. Next thing you know, you're through a season. But be people that pray. We get that example from Elijah. He prayed, but he got supernatural direction from the Lord. In the middle of a drought, that he prayed would happen, that God would take that circumstance and continue to provide for him, even if it seems like the brook is drying up, it's no time to scream out that it's all over with. It's time to listen to what God would say because God, the very next thing God did was God had a command for Elijah. It's the word of the Lord. It's being obedient to what God says, and it's watching what he does with what he tells you to do. So let me ask you this question today before we close. Is there a dry brook in your life today? Does it just seem like 
some area is drying up. And that's not a time to be upset at all. It's a time to turn your eyes and look to him and listen to what he says, because there is a command from God. It did not take the Lord by surprise that the brook would dry up. It did not take the Lord by surprise that he would use somebody that couldn't help anybody to perform a miracle. Not only a miracle of provision, it's going to be a miracle of the dead coming back to life. And Elijah's going through these sequences because he doesn't know it yet, but he's going to face 450 angry prophets of Baal. There's another 400 involved there. And he's going to have to, he's going to, have to come back in on that bold faith to trust God when everybody around him looks like they're going a different direction. He's going to trust the one in whom he knows because he's heard his voice. And he's watched him take care of him at the brook. He watched him take care of him with the widow. And now standing before an altar, he knows that he can look to God and God's going to perform a miracle. Bow your heads if you would with me today. You know, as we're heads bowed and eye closed, I think we would have a tendency to do it. And when we read James where Elijah was a man just like us, had frailties like us, I wonder if he ever thought, is the raven coming today? Is the raven coming tonight? I almost wonder if he wasn't really that concerned about the brook but you can easily be worried about the raven. And yet God sent them. It wasn't something that Elijah created in his thinking. Wouldn't this be a great story? That ravens bring my food and hot bread. And no, it was God that commanded. If God can command the ravens, the scavenger birds. The birds that if we went to somebody's house to eat and they were serving crow, we'd probably have another thing to think of. He would use the scavengers to provide for him morning and evening. He'd provide a, a woman to take care of him that evidently wasn't so sure she had a whole different perspective of mine. If God can work in all of those circumstances, can he not work in our lives? He wants us to look to him. He wants us to listen to that very word of the Lord. You know, there's something very powerful that starts with Elijah when he says this to Ahab. That he's coming on behalf of the God in whom I stand. Would you remember that? That your life is not your own. You're not on your own. It's the God in whom you stand. He's no respecter of persons. He worked with somebody with frailties just like us. Yet Elijah learned to understand the word of the Lord. That we only act when we know the word of the Lord. So you might say, boy, you should have been hesitating 
Yes, I haven't heard, uh, I haven't received the word of the Lord yet. I'm not going to lean to my own understanding. That just gets me in trouble every time. I'm going to listen, and when he tells me what to do, I'm going to obey. And even if I go to the woman of Zarephath, and it doesn't seem to be the right one, I'm going to trust that God's going to work it out. So, Lord, we come back, we humble ourselves today, we look at a prophet that you raised up in a time uh, of evil on the land to proclaim your word. And yet every step of the way, you took care of him. Jesus reminds us and he says, when you look at the sparrow, who do you think takes care of them? When you look at the flowers that are arrayed even better than Solomon, who, who do you think did that? That was God. Doesn't he much more care for you? But Jesus says this, O you of little faith. Would we let the example today of Elijah be a bold faith? So Lord, we come today, we humble ourselves. We thank you for Jesus in our life. We thank you that we're not alone. We thank you that uh, we have frailties like Elijah. And Elijah did powerful things, but he listened to God. That's our example today to listen to what you have to say. Lord, I pray even right now that you go before every single one of us. You are making the crooked places straight. You're directing hearts and you're directing and organizing steps and places. And it's not our job to try to figure it out for you. You are God and I am not, but I'm going to stand because I stand for God. He's the one in whom I stand and trust. And I trust you this day. In Jesus' name. And I make it personal. And everyone said, Amen, Amen. Elijah the Tishbite of the inhabitants of Gilead said to Ahab. Okay, so in other words, he is standing before Ahab. Okay, so imagine yourself this week. You've got to have a conversation with somebody, and they are standing before you, okay? That's what it's saying he did. Said to Ahab, as the Lord God of Israel lives, before whom I stand. Okay. So think about it a minute. That don't make sense. Because he's standing before Ahab. To speak to him. But yet, Elijah says, before the God in whom I stand. Somebody needs to hear this this morning. You've got somebody to stand before in the natural. And there might need to be some conversations that need to be had. But make no mistake about it. You are not standing before a natural man. Now, I know that might sound crazy to your natural mind. But you need to understand that you stand in the presence and before the Lord God Almighty. And what he says to speak, I tell you, speak. Because we just got through reading over and over again. 
that the Lord said something by way of Elijah. The Lord is going to say something by way of Marissa. The Lord is going to say something by way of Sean. The Lord is going to say something by way of Sam. The Lord has something to say by way of your lips. And it doesn't need to be the prophet Elijah because the word says he was a man just like us. Now, I don't know about you, but I know the junk that's in my closet. You might not know my junk, but I know my junk. We're all pretty good about keeping our junk hid, right? But God knows our junk, and he still chooses you and me to speak by way of. He's not looking for perfection, because I'm telling you, if that was the case, I wouldn't be here. And you wouldn't be here. But he wants to use you. And I encourage you this week, whatever your week looks like that you're getting ready to go into, it could be fabulous. You still are standing before the Lord your God, and he's asking you to speak words of encouragement to others. Whatever it looks like. Be reminded. You stand before the Lord your God before you stand before anyone else. Before anyone else. And in the end, he still is the only one you're going to stand before and give an account for the things he has asked and required of you. Does somebody hear that word this morning? Does somebody hear that this morning? Because I know I certainly do. Because I know at the end of the day, I want it accounted unto me for righteousness. I want to know that I've done what he's asked of me. And he's asking you this morning. Do you know that you stand before me? And do you know I have a plethora of things that I want to use you to communicate to a world that needs it so desperately? Amen? I, uh, I've heard this story many a times. And I've heard the story of the ravens, you know, bringing him food and all of that. And it's a Bible story, and I get it. It's kind of like Jonah and the whale. I've never seen, a, you know, a whale spit somebody out on the sea. However, I believe it. But I remembered today, just about five or six weeks ago, when we were in Italy, we were in Venice. And I've never seen a seagull pick up somebody's sandwich, but I'm sure it happens. But we were in Venice at St. Mark's Square. And there were all these seagulls. And with my own eyes, I saw one come down and get a piece of pizza out of somebody's hand. I literally got today the picture of 
And, and I'm not even being, I know it sounds silly, but you know what? The reality hit me as I sat here today. He has the ability to get a seagull and bring me food. If he needs to, he can, right? He's God. So if you ever wonder, there are seagulls in Venice that are getting pizza. And I don't know who it's delivering to. But it might be somebody that Jesus need, says needs a piece of pizza, pizza for lunch. So God's got you covered. Amen. Oh, it's been a good day in God's house. Before you leave today, hug somebody and remind them you stand before God. Amen. Have a great week. We love you.